Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is January 13th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. Just, uh, you know, living the dream here. Excited to talk golf. Excited uh, excited to do another podcast. What a generic-ass opening comment. Well, I, did, I didn't have thought Living the dream, excited doing. to talk golf. Uh, yeah, no, we're going early here on Thursday. Uh, Troy Merritt leads at Sony through eight holes. So instead of 18 holes, you have an eight hole front nine update uh, for 72 <laughs> hole event. Uh, Troy Merritt wins the kitchen sink. Stu sink is number two. Just getting ready to absolutely mop the floor with the Stephen Alker circuit next week at Hualai. Stu sink is going to clean up this year. If we ever do launch our um, one and our done champions tour fantasy league or whatever, one and done. So however you want to formulate it. Like, however we price Stu Sink is not high enough. I don't do this for a living. I actually do it quite poorly, uh, gambling and whatever else picks. But Stu Sink is going to kick ass. And he's out early at uh, Sony Open, along with Steely and others. So uh, KJ Choi, another senior tour uh, stalwart now in the top five. So we're recording early on. Uh, do you find that the senior tour becoming more compelling because people like KJ Choi and Stu Sink, people of your you know, your childhood golf oh, fandom man. are joining. God, that's <laughs> startling to hear about. I mean, I, I wouldn't say Stu was like a big, you know, idol of mine as a kid. I like, I, I mean, I was aware of him and followed golf when he was doing his thing. But yeah, that's a little reckoning with my own age that I need to come to. The champion. I mean, like Ernie's on there and I do not tune in. And I'm a, about as big of an Ernie fan as there is, you know? Right, right. Right. Um, I don't think he, he should come down and play more, quite honestly. We should see Ernie playing more on the on the main tour. So hey, I got um I got some follow-up. I, this is the kind of reporting, you know, we get on the pound the pavement, go start investigating things. We heard from the man himself, uh Caddy for Seamus Power about this whole Maui to Dubai uh travel arrangement. I know you've been very perturbed by this, confused, interested in. So we went straight to the source via a friend of the program. This is the kind of uh, access you get at the shotgun start. And Seamus <laughs> Powers Caddy says, we weren't able to fly west because of Russian airspace is being restricted. I think due to the current ongoing conflict. See, I knew there was something up here. Maybe that's Vladimir trying to help out his fellow continental Europeans in the Hero Cup, to making Seamus for GB and I go the other way, all the way around. You think <laughs> Vladimir Putin's trying to give an assist to his continental squad? Um, I think he's got a, a few bigger things to worry about right now. I think maybe that's right. But anyways, the Russian airspace is jamming up the works now. So they go. So normally is, you go that way. I don't know about in normally. I, I don't. That's a leap you're world. making. No, I don't know. I don't know in an ideal world. I still don't think you're able to claim that confidently enough. As much I as saw you some people like messaging me about flying over the North Pole, and that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, I brought that up. 
that's going to blow your mind. The old North Pole route. Yeah, check in with Santa. Um, so, so this is Seamus Powers' caddy, Simon. We weren't able to fly west because of Russian airspace being restricted. So they flew, flew Maui to Dallas and from Dallas to Dubai. Wow. Seven that's hours. A, that's a haul. Dallas to Dubai. Crazy. Seven hours from Maui to Dallas, which is a, that's a big boy flight too. A pretty significant flight. Not the biggest. 14 hour flight from Dallas to Dubai. And then a one hour drive from wherever they were to the Hero Cup. So here's the question. Do you think that the jet lag is that bad on that flight because it's so significant? Like, you know, I kind of like, almost think that it's just so out of the wash. Box. Yeah, that yeah. it wash it comes out like, you know. It's like just having like a yeah, I, I don't think you, you try to you don't know what time it is when you land. It's just like you had a big weekend and you come out a little worse for the wear. And whatever time it is is time. And, and I don't think there's even a jet lag. You're just banged up. So air air travel is is kind of one of my guilty pleasures. What does that mean? I just like that nobody can get a hold of me. And oh, sure. Well, I get separate, like yeah. I can choose to either relax or I could choose to like, you know, one of my big hang ups on writing is I get distracted really easily. So, you know, I kind of like get stuff done. I find I think sometimes I think that I should just fly when I really need to get stuff done is I should just book flights. <laughs> book and a fly. flight. <laughs> Do you get all that Dallas to Dubai one sounds like a real kind of deep work type situation for you then that's the um, thing when we flew back from uh from scotland i was lucky to get upgraded and it was in the middle of the day and i was looking around and everybody was just getting loaded on the flight it's like it's like 10 a.m everybody's oh, getting yeah. loaded and I, I was like you know i i looked at it i was like i could get some work done i think one of the better things i wrote this year was on that flight back because i could just do it without getting emails or texts or tweets or you know you know distractions left and right so um yeah that's not i don't know about guilty pleasure i might not go that far but i understand your point about being able to get some extra work done i kind of just enjoy the the airs where nobody can nobody can get after you well seamus will be at the hero cup i think that starts whatever tomorrow night uh sony's already started uh let's just go straight to news then we're gonna do sgs golf advice Let's do a round of news. The Netflix trailer came out on, I guess that would have been Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Everybody tweeted the video at the same time with their own spin, like exclamation points and excited, pumped, this, that, and the other. People couldn't just retweet Netflix or, you know, our uh, old friend Chad Mum, who was on here once uh, as a guest. was just like, I don't know. It was It was a flurry of tweets. Uh, what was your reaction to it? Big day. I think people have been waiting sort of for some clarity on when that might come out and what it might look like, what the name is. And we have it. It's called Full Swing. And February 15th is the date. And we have 56 second trailer, at least to dissect. I'm excited. And why I'm excited is the reaction that my college friends text group has that has like a lot of very casual golfers, not like people that were really interested about what was going on in live, but not interested in, in who's winning the Scottish open. Right. That's mm-hmm. the type of group. And they were really excited. And I think if you look and I, I, I obviously, I think a lot of uh, F one's popularity, growing popularity in America is attributed to drive uh, to survive. 
Yeah, and popularity, at least awareness, I would say, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I wonder about some of like the popularity being beyond the conversation to actual watchers. Of course, it's driven more viewers, for sure. But uh, yeah, certainly a lot more conversation, too. Um, so I think from that standpoint, I look at this as a top of the bucket thing. I think that, you know, my, my overarching thoughts and listen, like we, I saw some of the sausage getting made in, in Augusta and like, and other events and, you know, some of it, you know, as somebody that is a little bit on the inside, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're inside baseball a little bit. Yeah. It's like some of it's a little bit like, okay, you know, that's to say it a lot staged. Yeah. Staged. Some of it's staged. Some of like it. You see shots staged, right? And not golf shots, but certain. Yeah. Scenes, just different. Th- yeah. Right, scenes okay. are set. It's like, go type, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, can't you just get this natively? Um, but then also, so, you know, like some of this, Listen, for me, I I am really excited about it because of the overarching impact that it could have on exposing PGA Tour golf, the world of golf to a larger net of people, drawing more interest in the overarching sport. I think the hardest thing for this to do, and this is the hardest thing in any sort of if you're talking about content creation, the hardest thing to do is create content that's like compelling for the hardcore fans, but also approachable and digestible for newcomers. And okay, so this show is a success to me if it brings, if it is really approachable for newcomers or if it's a, approachable or, or if it's like, like the hardcore fans super into it. If it can do both, smash hit. But if it does either of those, I think it's a big success. And I think the bigger the bigger success, and I hope the bigger goal, is making it approachable for newcomers to the sport. I yeah, don't know. I get, what are your I, thoughts? I, I mean, I think people who are, are in the boat already, the like us and listeners most likely to this podcast, are going to watch regardless. Now, are they going to think it's interesting? That's going to be the larger question. Um, I heard of one early review that's, may not be particularly positive about it. And that would be like from someone who's, you know, a golf in the golf world and follows the tour. Um, so that would, you know, and just didn't think it was that, I don't know. I, I've just heard of it. Who knows what the review, I, I'm very excited. The trailer kind of got me going. Um, I think like you said, the big win is it's exposure to names and a sport and events to people who aren't exposed to it. I mean, think about the PGA Tour audience. What's the overlap between the people who watch the PGA Tour every week and have Netflix accounts? Right? Isn't it probably a bunch of like 65 and over people? 60 and over people who couldn't find Netflix. Right. So it's a new bucket. And some of them carry over to watching PGA Tour golf or at least talking about it, talking about the characters wherever they talk about it on their tiktok and wherever else or friends text chains whatever else you know what i mean that, that that's like there's a couple different um i don't know conversions or whatever some buzzword bullshit you want to use right like it's there's there's some friend group that just texts about it but never doesn't isn't still going to watch the rocket mortgage or the even the genesis invitational um 
And then there's those who like do all the, do all those steps, right? And I think that's it's going to be probably on the front page of Netflix come February fifteenth, right? Like uh, uh, the front whatever screen. And I think it will. I think you're going to get a lot of. It's a dead sports time, right? The Super Bowl will have just passed. Um, you know, college basketball March Madness isn't here. Like it's it's going to be a really massive week for the PGA Tour, right? You have Phoenix just ending. You have this releasing Wednesday and LA starting the next day. This Q1 for the tour is a big one. Um, Another takeaway I thought was interesting was you have the PGA tour sharing this and hyping it on all the social channels with like Brooks Kepka in it. And Ian Poulter has a sit down moment in it. Um, It's just like, it's, it's awkward. Like, is this a tour show? I don't think it is, right? Those guys are featured, but the tour is promoting it. Is that like the last or one of the last times we're ever going to see the tour like really promoting someone like Brooks Kepka or Ian Poulter on its Instagram and, and Twitter feed and things like that? So that that was a, a quirky aspect of the trailer is like this, this pre-live footage and a show that's going to acknowledge live in a pretty probably story, realistic storytelling way. Um, but yeah, I think the big, the big success is like just the exposure it's going to have. And, and Q1 is going to be massive for the tour in my mind, um, just with, with the excitement around it during a quieter sports time. Um, it got me even to the point. Watch it. Maybe this is just my general enthusiasm around Kapalua. Sony's not bad. West Coast swing. I think this t- I think this time last year we were just anxious about what golf was going to be. Pro golf was going to be, is it going to split? Are the Saudis going to own it? I would say a lot of that hasn't been resolved at all. And I, I think we were you mostly, think, you don't think Mito Pereira's <laughs> uh, tip in the scales one direction? Well, no, I don't think I wouldn't say the PGA tour is one is what I would say. Right. I think this time last year we could have thought maybe that, that they may, the tour might be just toast or who knows what was coming, what wave was coming. And I think we were bummed out by like middle of summer, just going to have two like depleted shitty tours. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm wondering if it's, this could be like one of the best years ever to be a golf fan. I I really genuinely enthused by the Ella designated event idea. That's going to start. I think the majors are going to be better because of the drama of having everyone there at the same time. I think the show is going to add to go like, the joy and excitement and drama of being a golf fan. I, 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 and again, I could, this come June, I could be like, uh, I'm bored. This sucks. I'm fatigued. But right now I'm actually pretty bullish on like, it feels like a great year to be a professional golf fan. I don't know if Liv's going to be a compelling product. I actually think I'm kind of excited about pro golf this year. I think one of the things that the designated events is going to do is it's going to give people breaks. I, you know, and I, I don't think that like, listen, we've talked about this forever on here about how like legitimately there should be 20 to 30 PGA tour events, not 45, 50. Um, And I think one of the things that these designated events are going to do is that it's going to crystallize when you need to watch golf. And I think that is actually like a good thing. It it, totally. it is going to create some scarcity. Like you're going to have like there's there's certainly at this point a PGA tour and a PGB tour, and I think like this week is a PGB event, 
right? And I'm fine saying that. Like, there are some good players in the field, right? Is it like Kapalua? No. Is it Riviera? No. But I'm excited to watch it because of the time window it's on, and I enjoy watching. Like, that makes a big deal for me watching it is the time window. And obviously, I watch golf all the time. I, you know, yeah, I'm not like, yeah. but, but the, the time, like it makes me a little bit more excited to watch it. It's easier to watch. So I think with like this year, I think what, what we're seeing is like, there's a clear delineation when we know, like there's the more times that all the best players in the world are playing, the better it is for the sport. It's very, very clear. Like it, it gives people you know when they're coming. Like one of the biggest problems with golf is like you don't know who's going to play week in, week out. And with these designated events only being able to miss one, like we talked about this last week, Rory skipping the first one. That's great. Like skip the first one. We know he's going to play every other one. And that's awesome. He's going to play these role, a lot of Rolex events on the European tour. We know we're going to see him a lot. And that's cool. Like that is good for golf is like the schedule set. Like, yeah. you know, on Christmas Day, you're going to have awesome NBA games. Like, you're going to have, like, the best NBA games. And for the most part, like, the stars play those games. Like, one of NBA's problems that's been developing is load management. And the idea of the product of, like, I buy tickets and I don't know that this guy's coming. Like, this is one of the things that golf's solving with this. And how they spread the sugar, how they move around these designated events how they continue to let them evolve into better and better things. I think that's the big thing. Does the tour let these evolve into bigger things and, you know, really, you know, allow the less tournaments, the B tournaments to be B tournaments? Because like, that's going to be, I think the hardest dance for them to, to pull off is the sponsors of the B events that like, that that's the tricky part of this. And I think that's where everything could go wrong. But on the flip side, I think this is off to a really good start because golf fans actually for once know when they need to tune in. What, what's, what's the good of that? Yeah. And, and instead of what's 40 or 20, just sort of middling events or some are good, some are bad. Yeah. I um, just think I just, you, I always draw myself like, and I, I don't mean to bag on these events all the time, but I draw myself to like, and there are events through the Midwest, but like the dog days of summer events yeah. when it's just like, God, it's on again. And there's nobody in the, the best player in the field is the 25th ranked player in the world. Like, what do some like, of those ESPN we- like featured groups have to be those numbers for like, you know, when they're putting the Troy merits of the world in featured groups and things like that. Anyways, do you, you share my general enthusiasm about the larger year or, or yeah, I do. I don't, I don't mean, uh, maybe I'm a mark here and I fell for this trailer. It got me excited, but well, I, I think, think we're the getting big thing too is, is it's the beginning of the year. We like, this is the other aspect, the other big thing that this designated events have, the the capability of doing like I'm I would love if they just dropped half the tour events and made and made it like I've talked about this a million times but if you just dropped half the tour events in into a corn fairy PGA tour bucket and that was like yeah. the tour like all of a sudden you have the thing that that the end like you have scarcity if there's twenty events a year that are like PGA tour events. God, your product is going to be so much better. Like we talked about it, like the uh, the broadcast team is going to be 
energized, enthusiastic. You all of a sudden can pull out more stops, do more yeah. things. Like it's not yeah. like a week to week slog. Like, yeah, this is so, just like, we always it make makes the... so much sense. Like make 20, don't tell us 50 events a year are important. Tell us the ones that are important and, and you can build suspense, excitement, and like you can make them more of a festival, which is what the players does really well. Yeah. Yeah. Written about that. I, I, so anyways, I, I just, we, we joke about how the fans come last and like, you know, after partners and our marketplaces and our players, but like, I can't believe I'm saying this. It might never be a better year to be a golf fan. We'll see. We've got a long way to go, but we have, it seems like we have a better TV product, something that's really being worked on in terms of more drone cameras and the, hopefully commercial free last hours so better tv product better fields are they the best the villains are gone no but they're better fields better tv better fields better more juicy majors right when all these guys come under the same tent and there's i don't know there's maybe some tension and drama between them and organizations that seem to care about like venue choices and things like that so i don't know it seems like it's a good year we'll see i i maybe just my enthusiasm may wane as it slogs on, but I'm I'm kind of pumped and and this this reality just show wait, just that's wait going the to next time next time Jay appears and then you're but this reality show like entering putting golf in like sort of the mainstream zeitgeist is a part of that too. It's just like a good year maybe to be to be a golf fan. All right, let's get off Netflix trailer. Anything else from that that jumped out to you? I I, I there I can't tell a single thing about the show really. I mean, there's Ian Poulter's throwing something in a locker room. Um, Jordan Spieth working out in a golf shirt. I did, you know, I, I, there's nothing like you can substantively you can take away other than excitement, right? Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm excited. I don't think there's anything that is like that pops from from the trailer that I'm like, whoa! Like it's it's yeah, such it's a, sure. it's a trailer. It just got me just generally excited about the show coming out. Um, and News. you know, it's here. And I I loved the comments. I loved. Some of the comments from people like it's taken long enough. Like all these people, they're in the mentions. Like this should have been out months ago. Really, I love your 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 Uh. your, uh, experience producing a documentary, like (laughs) a a large scale documentary on an entire season. I love (laughs) love your experience. Send me your CV, and we might have a job for you at the Fried Egg if you think you could have gotten this done to to you know faster february 15th is not bad and i think that's probably a strategic date like in a big pga tour week um news do we need to talk about ian poulter demanding i would love for you to talk i wrote no no the horse is dead buried 10 feet under the ground i like come on we've all piled on at this we did it wednesday night probably after we record or tuesday night after we recorded i wrote about it my favorite my thoughts are fully expressed there in the blog or a post on the friday my Free favorite all, favorite me. thing that came out about the whole thing, I I loved reading your dismantling uh, on the fried egg uh, the website. But the thing that was my favorite anecdote about it that came out was Jamie Weir uncovering that he said that to the Ryder Cup, and then shortly after, Liv tweeted happy birthday to Ian Poulter. And it was as if their social media manager came across a tweet and was like, Oh shit. (laughs) They are so diligent about their birthday wishes though. You know, they had done it for Sergio the day before. I, this is evidence of a brain that has been rotted and diluted 
of years as a professional golfer. It is bizarre, and I mean this sincerely. It is one of the most insane grievances I've ever encountered. The grown-ass man being so incredibly fragile and soft that he's tweeting at Ryder Cup Europe about a, a tweet that doesn't exist yet or d- didn't exist about not w- wishing him a happy birthday. I don't need to add much more. I cannot believe he felt aggrieved and aggrieved enough to tweet about it. Um, other news, Mito Pereira apparently is going to live. I believe that's via James Corrigan of The Telegraph. This has kind of been a rumor or reported on since like August. And we were all wondering like, is that a thing or is it not? Is he going? He's obviously very close with Neiman. One would assume he's headed to the fireballs. No, or, the torque. Or, maybe not. or no, I'm sorry. Neiman's. Yeah. I forgot. Neiman's. Torque. Who knows what the names are? Yeah. We, we we're supposed to know all this before the new year. This is, you know, in terms of people that have let us down lately, it's live not, not fulfilling on their promises. You know, they're right. I mean, this is really the first Drip of real subs, like positive uh, positive news for Liv in is a it, while. I mean, it's it's listen, like Mito Pereira is a nice young player. It's, it's a little an international bit, thing, though, yeah. a little bit, right? It's a little they disappointing. A like if you were going to create a list of players that you would expect to see a breakout from in 2023 on the PGA Tour, I think Mito Pereira would be a really good candidate. The guy is like very high up. He was 16th last year in strokes gained tee to green and first on this year's counting stats, which I take with kind of a grain of salt. But you're talking about like an elite young talent. In Battlefield terms of like, promo, won three yeah, times, you know, like, like a good player. If you were going to bet like futures, if there's futures market, Mito Pereira would be someone that you would, that would have a, you know, a higher valuation than what his world ranking would suggest. So this is a good haul for live. But again, like, I think the thing about, live in its current state is it in in i'm not this is not me saying it's dead it's not me but like man what a disappointing few months for them because like they they laid out a lot of stuff that was going to be done before the new year and none of it is done there's no tv deal there's no there's no set teams like that was part of like the intrigue was going to be we're going to have our rosters and teams set we haven't heard anything about that and we're inching clear. It, we're inching near their first event, and it just feels like last year all over again. Where it's going to be willy nilly thrown just together at the last yeah. minute. And I think like when you lose top executives, that's kind of what happens. Is like the the train stops moving forward. Um, and and that I think is a big big issue for Liv. Is that this is starting to feel and and look a lot like last year which was like we gave them a lot of the benefit of the doubt. I think in, in justly so they're getting a product off the ground, but now they've had this runway. The other aspect of it is like saying you're going to do all this stuff and not doing it is the, you know, is the thing that is most disappointing. And, and like, frankly, like a huge miss, you thought they were going to come out of this off season with some, with one, at least one more big name. And they maybe they, they will delivered on that. Yeah, they might we'll have, see. but we're hearing like you know they may have rebranded names and all this stuff and new team names and logos. But like you can't do that every year. Like what, are these hastily thrown together now? Are they going to be shitty? Like is Sergio going to change his team name and logo next year again for a third? Like I don't know. I'm just it's the first bit of like real live news that's not been an executive leaving that we've gotten. So uh, I guess good for them. They got Mito. Um, Similarly, on that front news, 
uh, Eddie Gaiman Lynch reported of uh, the waiver, a few names on the waiver request to play the Saudi International are the Cameron Zone. They're going for the Cameron Zone. They've got Tringali, they've got Cameron Smith and Liv. Uh, and Cameron, was it Cameron Yun? Yeah, and Champ. And Champ are going to the Saudi, or uh, per Amen have re- uh, requested releases. It's not that they're committed to the event yet, or it's unclear that they have. Lucas Herbert has. His agent confirmed he has committed to the event, asked for release, and committed. wonder um, if he's eyeing punch. Do you see if he's going gunning for Wade Ormsby's spot? Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Cam Young's the big one here, right? He's Huge rookie one. of the year. Uh, I, I, I don't... I mean, he's... Re, he was clearly interested in live last year. He then reiterated a commitment to the PGA Tour. He played the President's Cup. It seems like, I don't know, if you can go and get an appearance fee... I guess he's going to go and do that. I don't know that it means he's headed to live, but he's clearly has an open line of communication with that side. Yeah. I think this is like, say what you will about, listen, he could be as committed to the, uh, to the PGA tour as you want, but there's like a very direct correlation to players that play in Saudi international and players that go to live eventually, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost Tough like for Rob major league baseball. Rob Manfred. I wonder if Rob Manfred's going to release a statement. I mean, I wonder if they make him take the logo off his shirt. Like they did DJ, RBC made DJ take the logo off his shirt when he played one of those Saudi internationals. Could be an interesting thing to look at. See if MLB. Um, Do you think, you see WWE bought by the... How about that? How about you talking about that? And then it's happening. Does it... Does that mean does that mean anything for Liv? Does that mean they've moved on to wrestling? Does it mean they're just they're ready to spend more? I don't know. There's a lot of sort of well, guesses that people. I guess take like away. one of the things that is intriguing about it is the TV. Does it give? Well, them more they leverage? have a relationship with Peacock. Peacock yeah. have like NBC, which is a rights partner, like airs WWE stuff and some selected events and the archives. I don't know how that's all going to play into each other. I think one of the things you always have to think about with this, and I'm not an expert, but you always have to take, when you look at stuff like this, I think you have to take what, what the news is, and then you need to think at a bigger level about it, right? Now, my question, they've obviously hit their head, banged their head against the wall with this TV stuff for live, right? They acquire yeah. WWE. They have other sports franchises and like when I, I just start to think about it, like are there any interest in like a, a sports network? Is that something that they are eyeing? Like are they going to, and, and when you have bottomless money, these are the things that are pop, popular, but like you start to think about it. It's like, man, like conferences have sports networks that make them a lot of money, right? Like, you know, the Big Ten Network, the SEC Network have been instrumental in those conferences' growth. And, like, that would be kind of the bigger takeaway to the WWE thing is that when you start to acquire multiple There is sports, a WWE Network, right? You're just yeah. like maybe a Saudi sports network. Exactly. And they, they create their own sports network. And, and then all of a sudden, they've kind of, like, you know, backdoor. I think the tour has looked at a lot of ways to create their own network over the years, 
at the end of the day, they have decided that golf channel is the better mode for that. And I think one of the issues, one of the reasons that they couldn't do it is like, do we have enough programming for 24 hours a day? And I think that when you look at this move, that that's like kind of like my bigger takeaway from it is like, okay, is this something, a direction they're going because it's they're They're interested in sport. They're, they're getting a lot of sports, you know, like investments. And now they have two clear sports. If you get one or two more, like it's pretty easy to fill 24 hours. Yeah. You got to own the league. Cause there's not, yeah, they're not going to get rights deals. Obviously you got to exactly. own the entire league. Um, it's interesting. I would say this is like not a, it's not even an educated guess, but if you were asking me if live was closer to folding up shop or thriving, I would say it's closer to folding up shop. I don't think that's going to happen, but it sounds like it's kind of a mess right now. Um, just internally. And uh, I don't know, it, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I just like to suggest there's momentum there and that it's, it's, it's just not existent right now, but maybe that'll change come February. Uh, all right, moving on. Should we do SGS golf advice? We should yeah. call out. There's a shit sale in the pro shop. Meg wanted me to note that, uh, we should note that, uh, she put a bunch of stuff on sale in the pro shop. I think, uh, coasters included coasters, <laughs> little koozies, things of the that pig nature. Selling, pig selling coasters. No, but there's a bunch of, there's some really good stuff. Some good polos, some good, uh, sweatshirts, crew necks, things like that. Also, if you're a club TFE member, it's a sale every day. You get 10% off all the time. So that's a, another added perk of, uh, of club TFE. We, you know, real, real talk. We've been putting up a lot of stuff. I mean, we're, there's daily content in there and I, I don't know of really any other, I uh, we hate talking about ourselves, but there's so much good shit. I, 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 wasn't involved in a lot of it so i could talk about it let's say that so we were putting up a lot of a lot of incredible stuff free and for the members um and with the members i don't know if you're if you want to quote unquote explore the game learn more hear about more chat with other members uh it feels like a pretty good really good destination right now there's a lot of good stuff going up pebbles uh, the pebble course profile from garrett was dynamite yesterday uh, some dis- discourse around the egg rating it received for Pebble Beach, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we should get some panelists and send them out there to do our rating. I don't should know. We, um, should we have them pay us and make it a, a big revenue, uh, a big the biggest revenue, uh, like best revenue stream of of our business is, is thousands uh, of panelists paying. So us? yeah. No. <laughs> Both, you know, newsletter, social media, video, some great, great videos on Sandhills, uh, Dunbar in Scotland, um, and then blogs on the Rock Creek Park. You're on the new uh, Rock Creek Park plan. You on some new openings, included Panther National on, on there. I was excited to see that. You're blogging about that. But uh, I'm really, really impressed with what the team's been doing. Uh, all right. Sign up at Club TFE. It's... Uh thefriedegg.com slash membership or if you just oh, want you to buy some it. stuff on sale proshop.thefriedegg.com all right sgs golf advice i'm going to start uh, i'm excited about this i love golf advice justin uh justin emailing i don't want to send his name all right this is a great one to the members of the court long email stick with me it is by decision of the sgs court that i shall for the remainder of the time view the circumstances that took place 10 plus years ago so he's giving us a lot of authority here we are 
adjudicating this matter for him. I love this one. I've read this one. It's so good. Not more than a few months ago, my wife and I were out for a walk and ran into a friend of hers whom she grew up playing ice hockey with. The same person, not unbeknownst to me, was a competitor, was also a competitor of mine back in our days of high school golf. And seeing him reminded me of a mild grudge that I've held for a decade. (laughs) I'm a fairly decent player around scratch to plus one currently. And at the time in high school, I was a better player than this kid. For some background with this scenario, it should be known that at the beginning of the season, there was a coach that decided to make a big deal about using the word, quote, provisional in any cases with which a second ball was needed to be hit. There was no instance of this being an issue in past seasons. And my theory is that the motivation for this rule was to provide his team a possible opportunity to essentially say, gotcha. With that being said, we were playing nine hole match against our rivals at a tough and narrow tree line course. Our opponent was the team whose coach felt it necessary to implement the provisional rule and, and you know, be vigilant hey, about that. Just like right off the bat, this, these are the coach is a people. total dick. Yeah. I was playing with the kid who my grudge is targeted. <laughs> I ran into this guy on a walk. I love this. <laughs> we're out for a walk and ran into this guy 10 years later. Uh, I don't remember where we stood uh, stroke-wise in the match, but on the eighth hole, a short-to-right left par four, I got aggressive and hit a D-stick that was questionably out of play. Being this kid's home course and his knowledge of the track being greater than mine, he informed me that it could be out of play and that I should, quote-unquote, hit another one. I wasn't overly concerned about it being out, but I said, okay, I will. And I grabbed a ball and then stated, this one is a title of four black dots. The first one had red dots. I hit my tee shot and <laughs> Barely stepped off the tee box after grabbing my bag when this kid has the audacity while walking ahead of me to turn around and say, hey, I didn't hear you say the word provisional. Did you say it? He had set me up. And of course, I didn't even have to spend time looking for my first ball, which was in play and easily visible from the fairway during the walk after our tee balls. But also because this kid was enforcing the rule that if the word provisional didn't come off your tongue to produce sound waves that could be registered in your playing partner's ear your second ball was actually your third shot so there i am lying three in the fairway rattled and raging mad at this pompous golf vigilante kid who conflated gamesmanship with ostensibly uh, a golf stain operation my wife stated that we should consider hanging out with this kid and his wife after we saw them on our walk my wife isn't a golfer, and after I gave her my deposition and aired my grievances about this guy, she clearly didn't understand, and she told me to let it go. I don't think I could ever hang out with this type of person, so I'm hoping for a ruling in my favor. Please settle this for me uh, and advise how I should feel about this guy going forward. You want to go? Yeah. Go. Let, I, let, it, I, let it rip. What do you think? I think, like, listen, this is a shitty thing that happened to you a long time ago. And, like, listen... If if I went back through all the mistakes that I made as a as a teenager, a college age kid, even into my 20s, I did a lot of stupid shit. All right. Like the reality of the situation is you have a common bond with this guy. You played high school golf against him. Like, granted, it was a shitty situation. But like at the same time, you've known each other for a long time. And a lot of life has happened in between the time that this happened and that. If anything, I would hang out with them and then jokingly just bring it up. If you could do this in a joking manner and be like, hey, remember that time? (laughs) And I I don't know. I just don't think you can't be friends with them. Like, why? Why not try? Why not try and be friends? Because like at the worst case, like if this works out, you guys might become good friends laugh about that shit and you got another guy that you can play golf with and your wife enjoys hanging out with like that's a big win if you have like friends that you 
like playing golf with, that your wife likes hanging out with, that's a good, that's a good development for your golf life. All right. So I just think that, listen, this is an 18 year old kid. He's got a dickhead coach that is like teach that is leading these people astray, not being just like, you know, as Wesley would call them sportsmen, you know, not being sportsmen. And, you know, I, I, I don't agree with what happened, but it was 10 years ago. You got to, you got to live life. You got to let go of stuff. You can't be holding grudges. I feel like Brendan, you feel differently here. There's a lot of people in the world to be friends with. This guy sounds like a D bag 10 years ago. And that's how that's the final judgment anymore. I just didn't be friends with someone else. I couldn't get over this. This is horrible. This is complete (laughs) D bag behavior. I would never want to. So I would hate this guy for the rest of my life. I'm not sure it would matter. I would hate the coach. This is irredeemable. And my does does this guy get a, a hung jury? Are we not giving him the the kind of consensus advice? You're one way, Listen, I'm another. My thought this is, is terrible. You I would give be, him a chance. I would be he might boiling. apologize. What if he's like? What if you hang he out? Doesn't with him and, and like, he doesn't remember it. He's like, I'm sure he doesn't remember it. I'm sorry about doing that thing. You know, has this ever happened to you where somebody tried to get you for not saying provisional or something? Have you ever neglected to say? I don't. I, I can't recall this been, ever. Really, I've been like a part of a lot of like I've been a part of golf controversies where I've witnessed them. Like, yeah. you know, I was playing in a group, and the people that were part of this incident are going to laugh. I've never seen anything like this. Did we had a regular like game at the the club I was a member at? You know, these are two people in the game had played a lot of golf together. We're playing it like a very low stakes match. This guy hits the flag stick on a par three. <laughs> it like bounces, hits the flag stick, and ricochets to like 10 feet. And and there was a back pin. And the guy, he's going on and on about how bad of a break it was, how it should have gone in. And the playing partner. It's <laughs> kind of bold. Okay. Who was his opponent was like, you know what? You're lucky that it hit the flag. It should be over the green. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like the flag stick stopped it. And that's the only reason you're close. They almost got in a fist fight <laughs> and they never spoke to each other again. <laughs> never played with each other. It was it was insane. So when I say this, like a lot of fucking weird shit happens on a golf course when you're competing against people. Like people, people are competitive. Think about the basketball court. Like how often are there guys that like you're just like God? I fucking hate playing against that guy. I hate him. And then like you beat him, like you run in. Like I had this happen to me once. Like I played this guy. I could. He was like my arch nemesis in pickup basketball. I couldn't stand the guy. And I ran into him one random night at a bar. And it was like, I was like, oh, this guy's actually like cool. He's just a dick when it comes to. Pick up competing. Okay. You know, and I think that's the thing is that like people are have weird competitive stuff and competitive ticks. Yeah, get, but that's like, still the, that's competing... still their character. That's not like they're still the same person, whether they change and are more favorable in another setting. You can't just disavow that behavior and completely, you know, judge them on only one arena. You judge them holistically as who they are. And I, you I know, agree, but like I'm just saying, like you might this is this happened when he was like 17 years old yeah 
That's probably the magnanimous approach. Give him a chance. Maybe he turns out to be a good friend. But I would be boiling underneath, and you have to bring it up. This was this is so outrageous. You have this to bring is, it I would up not in like the right guy. tenor, though. You can't, it's a worthy grudge to hold. You I would can't say. bring it's, it up in a, in a way that makes you look like a dick. Sure. Right. You have to bring it up, and if you can't, eh, if you're somebody, I that think can't you're allowed to be a little dick, like a lighthearted, he a to joking tone. It could be like you know, because you were in the he was in the wrong. Clearly. Clearly. I mean, you didn't right, play well, by I, the rules, though. That is the one thing. He, he oh, does have, God, like, I did, did God, call this by the book. On. I'm not saying it's the right thing. All right. We'll let you, we'll let, we'll advise you to give him a try, but I, I'm, also, I'm okay with you holding the grudge still. Also, there's like the, the thing, like the old saying, your wife wants to hang out with this person. Sure. This can't be the reason that you don't hang out with them. One time, if you hang out once and you're like, I don't like the guy, you can't not hang out with him because of this. Um, all right, let's do another one. Uh, and then I got to run this school pickup. Uh, oh, legacy. I got this. I'll read it. Legacy. You, you prepare your answer. Legacy at notable golf club. I'm still a youngster with no family, no wife, and no dog. Not in a Matt Wolf situation, apparently. Though I do have a roommate who is also my girlfriend. I work remotely for an internet uh, startup. I don't want to give too many details. I can live anywhere I want. Ask him, my roommate. I'm from the Northeast, a third-generation member at a site of uh, a fa- fancy, a, a big club that hosts championship golf. As a result, all of my life plans surround setting in the Northeast, settling in the Northeast to preserve this legacy where I'm a third-generation member at a big club, a, a good club. While this is an incredible privilege, I can't help but feel shackled to the Northeast as a result. When I see an amazing opportunity on the West Coast, I'm quickly reminded that I would be giving up my membership. Non-resident memberships are not much more affordable, and despite my legacy, I don't have the clout required to even ask. My question to you is how I should value this opportunity. Yes, it's a sure thing at hallowed ground, but decades ago, my grandfather got into this club as a hustler from a rural state. I won't give details. It's possible for me to create a new legacy for for the generations that follow me in an area that I really want to live in. I love golf. Uh, To give you an example, I tune in on Thursdays for most PGA Tour events. That is love. But it is a prestigious club with is it is a prestigious club worth planning my life around? I feel like you guys have settled nicely into your lives and you can share some good. Uh, I wouldn't, I don't know what to say that settled nicely into our lives and you could share some good advice on how you handled similar choices. Well, I wasn't a third generation legacy at a, a championship uh, club in the Northeast. Um, I, so I didn't have a similar choice. What do you make of this? I mean, this Listen, opportunity, I, this, I, it's a first world just, problem. Let's be yeah. clear. First world problem. It's a great problem to have, but like where I would fall. And this is somebody that just moved across the country is like you can't you you have to do what's going to make you the most happy and you know is that a country club i don't know that's up that's in your in your mind you have to determine this like is it living somewhere you want to live you know if you want to move west and and live somewhere you want to live guess what i've got great news for you there's country clubs everywhere in america and, yeah, you know, I would say that. How sure are you that you will be able to create the lifestyle living bank account access to another club? Mm-hmm. Probably pretty sure. Is it going to be the level of this one? Maybe not. I don't know. But, but go ahead, like, continue. you know, this is just one part of your life. Right. And I don't know. I, I think like 
you know, there's a lot of good that happens from putting yourself out there. I mean, the other thing I think is like, if you go somewhere, it doesn't mean you're going to be there the rest of your life. Like, is the legacy thing right. going anywhere? Like, uh, you're, do you give you've it up got when, time, yeah. like, right? Like, right. I guess, like, I think, I think back to like when I was in my like mid to late twenties, right? Was, was like golf was a part of my life and, and an important part of my life. But like, I don't think like being a member of like a great club would have like made that a better part of my life necessarily. Um, one of the things I think about a lot is like, I had a job where I traveled the country and lived in a lot of cool places and I wouldn't trade that for getting to play 30 rounds at, you know, Shore Acres in Chicago or, or, uh, Chicago golf club. When I look back, you know, almost 10 years removed from that experience, it's like, I, I like think about living all these cool places and getting to experience like these, these cities that were new and different to me as like a great growth moment in my life. And so I would say, do not allow a club and, you know, to dictate where you live. It's you know, an incredible if, opportunity. And once you get older, I think you're going to want it. I mean, as kids, like, it's just like, it's more of, for me, it's like a thing that, that you want to do with your family. Like it's an ability to take your kids and have them just practice or have them or play at any X amount of holes. And I'm not saying it has to be a, a posh country club necessarily, but um, I would understand it at that point in your life. Right. If that, that's like a certain life choice, almost lifestyle choice. That's pretty important. Um, but you can kind of hear it coming through in his email when you use the word like shackled, right? And it seems like he wants, he understands the opportunity, but he wants to move west. I, I And look, let's make this a more general statement. Like this is a very unique problem for probably a very small set of people that have this ability to be third generation. But let's just say generally, I don't know that I would I choose think where family. you want to live based on a golf course access. Yeah. And I think like, I think you could sub in like family for this and everybody's family situation is different. But like, I think that's what generally people feel shackled to a location by is like, well, both of our parents are from here. Our, right. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Our, my yeah. siblings are here. And I think like that, that would be a way that you could make this more of a 100% population center uh, question. So okay. that's golf advice. You got to go. Right. I got to run. That's our Friday episode. We'll be back Monday. Recap Sony. Maybe we'll do another golf advice, another question or two on Monday, um, just because we shorted it here. All right. Everyone, enjoy your weekends. Thanks for your continued support. Check out that uh, pro sale shop on the Fried Egg Pro Shop. We'll talk to you on Monday. 